Good evening, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the National Library of Australia. I'm Nat Williams, the Library's Treasures Curator. Uh, as we begin, I would like to acknowledge and pay respect to the traditional owners of this land on which we meet. I thank their elders, past and present, for this land that we are now privileged to call home. We are also grateful to our supporters for making this event, uh, this evening's event, possible. In particular, we thank the Australian Government for supporting the Treasures Curator through Catalyst, the Australian Arts and Culture Fund. We also thank our National Library patrons, supporters of the Treasures Gallery Access Program events. Tonight's lecture with acclaimed photographer Stephen Dupont, standing over here, um, is the first of, our, uh, of the Library's Treasures Gallery Access Programs for 2017. There will be more to come this year and I urge you to subscribe to our monthly e-newsletter if you don't already to find out what's happening at your National Library. The format tonight is that uh, I will introduce Stephen. Stephen will speak soon about his artist book's practice, something which has been an absolute uh, obsession of his for many years. Uh, Stephen and I will then do a Q&A up here and take uh, questions from the audience. Well, Stephen, you might want to sit down. This, this might take long, slightly longer than you think. Stand or, or sit as you might like. Um, one of the greatest pleasures I have in my role as a senior curator here at the library is to regularly call up items from our boundless collections and then to proceed to view them in the special collections reading room. Sometimes a surprise is in store, sometimes it's a new lead in the chase to put something finally in its context after decades or even centuries. The process is never disappointing and it often reveals the unexpected. But this process is generally dealing with the voices of the past, which is sometimes rather muted in the silence of the reading room. While fascinating, trying to piece together stories from the past can be frustrating and in the age of the immediate, Google, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, it can be slow and somewhat opaque work, the results of which may not be seen for some time. So to be able to stand beside an artist and hear them relate the story of their work is both immediate and exciting. It takes one on a privileged journey which is engrossing, entertaining and enlivening. It can also sometimes be terrifying or at the very least alarming. I've had the privilege over the past years of standing beside Stephen Dupont in a secure room behind the scenes here and listening to him tell his most recent story as elaborated in an artist's book. Watching him turn the pages and explain the process which he undertakes in developing his books is engrossing and brings the books and the stories to life. I've been fortunate to share these experiences with my colleague Erica Ryan, manager of Printed Australiana, who's here tonight, and recently we watched as Stephen explained and turned the pages of his newly finished artist book, Drive by Hagen, which is one of the two books here on the table. Mount Hagen is the capital of Papua New Guinea's western province, Highlands province, but this book of landscape format photographs, um, taken mainly from moving vehicles, shows the city and its environs not as a highly developed urban centre, but as an unruly, predominantly rural place. The roads are nearly all unpaved, the buildings mainly tin sheds and vernacular concrete block constructions, with people on the move in every picture. As Stephen slowly turned the pages and we became more immersed in the imagery and the slowly unfolding narrative, an image particularly caught my eye. I asked him about the young men captured through the window of the four-wheel drive, frozen in time, and looking slightly menacingly back at us. They were bearded 
and looked as though they didn't want to be seen, let alone photographed. They're jihadists, said Stephen gravely, and they don't want to be captured on film. I was stunned. I wasn't aware that the, uh, the tentacles of radical Islam had made their way into our northern neighbour and that jihadists and bush mosques existed there. A surprising revelation about a place so near but also so far from many of our imaginations. In essence, this moment for me translated the power and value of Stephen's remarkable documentary art project. Over decades, he has ventured into places where I couldn't or certainly wouldn't go, taking risks that terrify me to collect stories that are shocking, memorable and affecting. His book on the 2004 tsunami in Banda Aceh, for example, is confronting, moving and devastating. His shocking 1993 images of chained patients taken in a mental hospital in Angola are seared into my memory in a not altogether good way. Whether the people are rascals in New Guinea or those having their portraits captured on the streets of Kabul or those witnessed struggling in the aftermath of the devastating typhoon Haiyan in the Philippines more than a decade ago, the images exemplify the best aspects of the traditions of photojournalism. However, the presentation of these images, often augmented and in long concertinaed narratives or in a variety of formats, is new and arresting. Today, Stephen will give you his thoughts on how he constructs his artist's books and how they've evolved over time. I'm pleased to say that we have 13 of his artist books in our collection and also all of his numerous printed volumes. His series of five artist books entitled The Afghanistan Wars 1993-2012 to is currently on display in our Treasures Gallery, which is the context for this Treasures Gallery Access Program event. The library also holds a powerful series of black and white photographs of the Narara native title claimants taken in Fitzroy Crossing, Western Australia, back in 2003. Tonight, Stephen will cover the broad arc from his book Rascals in 2005 to We Cut Heads, created only last year, also on the table. Eleven years of producing memorable books, which I hope we may show one day in an exhibition here. The end point for the talk tonight is We Cut Heads, which is We Cut Heads, is thankfully less dramatic than it sounds. Stephen, while showing Erica and me his Drive by Hagen book, mentioned casually that he had another book we might like to see. He surprised us by saying that one of his preoccupations over nearly three decades had been to take photographs of hairdressers and barbers when he encountered them around the world. <coughs> A visually less challenging project spanning decades, the book was great. Not so nightmarish as some of his other creations. Barbers appear in never, nearly every small town and may pop up with just a chair, a mirror and a case of tools on street corners, border crossings, refugee camps, mental asylums, private houses, festivals and more. They are generally hospitable, can be children, young, middle-aged or old, all with a single goal, to make the customers look good. And don't we all need that? So to some biographical details on our speaker. Stephen DuPont was born in Sydney in 1967 to Danish social worker parents. A freelance journalist, a photojournalist of the Robert Frank or the W. Eugene Smith School, Stephen has covered many of the world's trouble spots including Angola, Bosnia, Rwanda, Iraq, Somalia, New Guinea and Afghanistan. He's also documented the shocking results of natural disasters. Stephen is also a filmmaker and won awards for his artist books. 
He's exhibited around the world. In 2008, he had some of his Afghanistan works photographed, uh, exhibited in the New York Public Library, who also represent him in their collection. Stephen has produced a remarkable body of visual work, including hauntingly beautiful photographs of fragile cultures and marginalised peoples. He captures the human dignity of his subjects with great intimacy and often in some of the world's most dangerous places. His images have received international acclaim for their artistic integrity and valuable insights into the people, culture and communities that may have existed for hundreds of years, yet are fast disappearing from our world. In 1994, he was chosen as one of the ten most promising young international documentary photographers for a World Press Masterclass. His work has earned him photography's most prestigious prizes, including a Robert Kappa Gold Medal Citation from the Overseas Press Club of America, a Bayer War Correspondence Prize, and first pl pl places in the World Press Photo, Pictures of the Year International and Australian Walkleys, and a Leica CCP Documentary Award. In 2007, he was awarded the Eugene Smith Grant for Humanistic Photography for his ongoing project on Afghanistan, a place he has visited 20 times over nearly 25 years. Stephen has also worked as an, on assignment for various magazines, including The New Yorker, Le Figaro and French and German Geo magazines. He lives on the south coast uh, of New South Wales, near Wollongong, with his wife and young daughter. A constant in Stephen's life is travel. He's described himself as a nomad with a Leica. He's always on the go. In fact, I would say he's probably the best travelled person I've ever met, with possibly the only exception being um, Tony and Maureen Wheeler, who are library supporters, who, and they started Lonely Planet. Um, his wife, Elizabeth, must be a remarkably forbearing and resilient person. Tonight, Stephen is fitting his in just after his sell-out performances at Mona in Hobart as part of the MOFO Weekend Festival. These multimedia performances, entitled rather challengingly, Don't Look Away, will tour Australia and I urge you to try to catch them. In August this year, Stephen will be a visiting fellow at the ANU School of Art where he will make more artist books with the Inkjet Research Facility and the Print Media and Drawing Studios. It will be good to have him around Canberra for a more extended period. So without further ado, I introduce Stephen DuPont. Thank you. Thank you, Nat. Thank you. Oh, that's quite an introduction. <laughs> Speechless. Thank you, Erica, Nat. Thank you, National Library of Australia. And thank you all for coming to my presentation. So without uh, further ado, let's, uh, let's get into it. So, Rascals. This is actually the first um, artist book I ever made and the first book that was acquired by the National Library. It still holds, uh, um, it's very, it holds me very deeply. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still one of my favourite books, actually, and uh, maybe because it was the first one, but it's also one that probably took a lot longer to make than any of the other books. It's a, essentially a concertina book of silver gelatin prints um, that I hand-bound... Um, um, glued together and um, with metal front and back covers, um, the pages, which are also gelatin silver pages, have all been hand um, scratched um, with razor blade. So all the text panels are, are done by hand into the photographic paper. So these are some of the installation shots of the actual book. Uh, the book is, as I said, in, in the library collection if you'd like to see it one day. 
the original book. So this is an edition book. So I've made four so far, four books. Now Rascals, for those who don't know, is um, Pigeon for criminal or criminals in Papua New Guinea. These are gang members that I photographed back in 2004. They, um, they're in a gang called Kips Kaboni. I, um, I, found, I, I met them uh, while I was um, going to New Guinea for the first time back then. And um, with, with the, uh, the project in mind to, to make a story about rascals, to, which is, uh, originally was for a magazine story. So I went with a mate of mine, Ben Bohane, and um, we um, met these guys and were fortunate to be invited to spend time with them and uh, um, tell their story and, and for me to be able to photograph them in a safe house. Um, I've actually kept in touch with a lot of them and I've become quite close to the community, which is a settlement in Moresby called Calgary. I went back 10 years later and I tracked down half of the rascals and, in fact... Um, most of them are no longer in the gang and no longer criminals. Um, a lot of them have grown up, of course. And uh, it's interesting, a lot of them become security guards for various people. Um, gardeners, um, all sorts of jobs, uh, all still unemployed. Sadly, some have died and passed away and some were in prison at the time that I went back to make the photographs. So the texts have taken out of quotes from the Bible that were actually in the safe house. Um, I chose to scratch into the paper because I wanted to keep it raw and I wanted to reflect um, the violence of, of actually what these guys were about. Um, and so I chose to use a blade to, to really hack into the paper. I thought it was a, creatively a, an interesting um, approach to, to, to show, um, well, to, to talk about them and to you know, take you into their world. My books are always research for exhibitions. So whenever I do a book, some of them are, a lot of them are um, edition books. I now edition very small numbers. I only do five. And, um, and some of them are unique books. So some of them are, are, are one-offs. And uh, whenever I'm doing these books, I, I usually have these exhibition ideas in mind. So the books often become my research and template for exhibition ideas. And so in this case, I took the Rascals book to the gallery. And this is uh, some installation shots from the Australian Centre of Photography in Paddington. Um, and as you can see, I've taken the whole um, razor blade um, thing onto the wall. So I, in fact, I've hacked into the walls. They had uh, gyp rock walls that they painted. And uh, I actually hacked into the walls, just like the book itself, to, um, to give that sort of impact. So these are some of the installation shots from that exhibition of the, the photographs that have been blown up, um, printed, quite large. Some of them, you know, bigger than life-size. I got into photography because I love photo books. That's why I'm a photographer. And um, I felt that, I suppose, about 15 years ago, I, so I started in journalism. So my background is in photojournalism. And 
um, covering stories around the world, war and catastrophe and political stories, um, social stories. And I felt about 15 years ago a change needed to come within me and I, I could see a change happening in the media and I wasn't really happy where things were going. It was almost sort of around the time of the whole digital revolution and so forth and I, as you can see, these are on traditional media. It's coming from a Polaroid film and I wanted to keep exploring traditional photography and also I wanted to start to design and create my own books. So essentially that's how it all began. Although I do have many books that are published in trade versions, um, but at the you know back then I was really interested in exploring the whole concept, the whole um, philosophy around handmade books. So that really sort of spurred me on to 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 really kind of bring in my projects and 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 make them into these these books. So this is Ask Me Biggie, which is phonetic in Farsi or Persian for Mr. Take My Picture. And uh, this is one of the books that's on display, I think, at the Treasures Gallery. Um, and what's interesting about this project is I shot the entire um, body of work in about three hours, three, four hours. So in, in a sense, it's a, it's, it's, it's a book that took three hours to shoot, which is... Pretty, pretty weird. Um, it was never my intention. Uh, I was in Kabul and I'd been working on a project around heroin addicts for many weeks and it was quite a heavy, disturbing um, project that I felt I needed some enlightenment before I left the country. And I'd never explored portraiture like this in Afghanistan, yet I'd been going to Afghanistan for years and years and years. And I'd taken a hundred sheets of Polaroid and I didn't want to leave the country without shooting them. And I had one day left and I went on the streets of Kabul at a bus station and essentially borrowed a backdrop. These are stills from a video, by the way, that, but it shows you the kind of chaos. And I, I wanted to photograph people um, randomly that I could choose or people that came to me. And I created this you know, chaotic scene with many people around and started to make these photographs. Originally, I wanted a very clear um, photograph of my sitter with a backdrop and no one else in the frame, but I had no control of the crowd. And in fact, when I started to peel the Polaroids and I saw the crowd peeking through, it completely just blew me away. I was like, these are the photographs. This is it. Don't touch. Don't direct. Don't, don't get involved. Let the crowd be as they are. And it ended up being this really um, quite a remarkable body of work, uh, which you know, I was incredibly happy with. And when I decided to, to make a book, um, I th decided to use every single frame that I took, that I had. In fact, it inspired me, this is, so 2006, this inspired me to go on and do another body of work, which I've been photographing for many years now, called the White Sheet Series, which is actually on exhibition at the moment at Stills Gallery in Sydney. And the White Sheet Series would never have happened without this. And so if, you ever, if you've seen that work, you'll see how I've used my backdrop and how I've allowed the crowd to come in and I've had people hold up the sheet and, and so forth. So it's really quite an interesting progression. Um, so 
So Generation AK, this is looking at uh, my Afghanistan books, which again is part of the box set that um, exists in the library. These are just some installation shots of binding the book. So it's a stitch-bound book, just to give you an idea of how it all came together. And that's the box set that's on display in the Treasures Gallery. And that's it. It's five volumes. I could have done one book, but it would have been really big. <laughs> so I, I sort of broke it up into chapters. In fact, I have a published book called Generation AK by Steidl, which came out last year, uh, essentially using a lot of the work that are in these five volumes. Oh, lost it. Oh. I can keep talking while we... Uh, it's on here, it's just not on there. Oh, there it is. There we go. Magic. Um, but the, the diaries are not in the Steidl book, nor is Why Am I Marine? I kept them out just because they're a very different style of, um, of book. Oh, we'll talk about the Marine book a bit later. I'm going to show you some of that. So the lining of the box is official US Marine Corps camouflage. So I actually imported that from America and uh, had my binder bind all the, the boxes with that, with that fabric. And in fact, the, I spent quite a lot of time with the Marines in Afghanistan, so I wanted to use that as my, uh, as my cloth covering. And so, again, you know, this is another exhibition at the Australian Centre for Photography. And this was the major exhibition I had on Afghanistan there. And you'll start to see my concept and ideas of my book dummies and how they reflect when they're being exhibited on the wall. Um, using all sort of objects and ephemera and other books and ideas in boxes. Um, and there's three, well actually two books laid out, why am I marine on the right side and the left side is stoned in Kabul. So I've taken the entire book, laid them out like wallpaper, so when you're walking into the space, you're kind of immersed in, in the book or the books, which was the, the idea I wanted to create. Um, so again, just various angles of that exhibition, using the book as a you know, a visual force within the gallery. That is me. <laughs> it was done by an Afghan photographer. They hand paint the portraits like they, you know, they did, like at the the last century or so, traditional. So Baghdad Diary. So this is a unique book. This is um, an actual diary that um, I have not, uh, you know, copied or made editions of or anything like that. And um, this is in my collection. So some of the shots from that from that diary when I was in Iraq.
So this is a mix of using silver gelatin photographic paper, gaffer tape, collage, burning pages, postcards, um, and of course written, actual written diary entries as well. So this is Weapons Platoon, or Why Am I Marine? Uh, this is the actual moleskin diary I took to Afghanistan. And um, so it's a small moleskin, if you're familiar with those. And I was embedded with the Marines in 2009. I was uh, covering them down in uh, Helmand province, way down south toward the Pakistan border, in a place called Karnishan. And... I'd have, I brought my Polaroid camera and my Polaroid film and I wanted to do another portrait series but I didn't want to do it like I did Ask Me Biggie. I wanted to do something different so I chose this one platoon and managed to get them all to participate and I photographed them over time as I was living down there with them and uh, I came up with an idea to put a question to them in it. so I would actually photograph them keep the page blank, and then I had this question, why am I a Marine on every page? So when I finished the photo shoot, I left my diary with the guys in their tent for three or four days in the hope that they might all write something, and they, except for one, they all wrote something. And so there's these really interesting testimonies. I'm not sure if you can read them or not, um, but uh, some pretty interesting stuff. And I was really um, you know, blown away by their participation and, and collaboration. And for me, this was a, this was a, a really deep thing to, to say something about the war in Afghanistan without just doing the usual coverage, you know, of showing these guys fighting or breaking down doors or interrogating or whatever they're doing out there. I wanted to, through portraiture and through their own handwritten testimonies, um, really say something about the war in Afghanistan at that time. And in fact, the project went, ended up being seen by the Library of Congress in Washington and they acquired this actual um, moleskin diary. So they, they have this in their collection, they own it. And then the US Marine Corps saw it and invited me to go to their national museum in Quantico to exhibit the work and do a workshop with their... Um, they're combat cameramen and photographers and journalists. So it's really had an interesting lifespan. Um, and the Library of Congress wrote about the book and, and um, included it into a beautiful book they made about the history of photojournals and um, photo artist books of the, the last century or so from their collection. So it's a simple practice but I think quite effective. And um, it, it really kind of opened my eyes to just a, another way of uh, showing my photography and, and another way of telling the story of Afghanistan and, and through these actual testimonies of these young men. This is part of the box set collection as well. That's in the Treasures Gallery. So my practice really lies heavily in diaries. I mean, I love diaries. I've always, I always write in them. 
always take diaries with me when I'm traveling. And so I often like to um, use them as well as, as ideas for, for book designs and things like that. So this is me photographing them with my old Polaroid camera. This is my dark room and also where I slept. Um, so we just, the Marines had taken over this old ancient castle um, when they kicked the Taliban out who were there before them and um, they moved in and so I was staying in this place um, and this is trying to uh, dry the negatives which was really challenging because they all got caked in dust. There was just so much dust as you can imagine. Um, so in fact I had to wash them all when I came back to Sydney because they were just absolutely caked in dust. Um, back at the exhibition. So that's the, the Why My Marine book on the right-hand side, using that as an installation. So this is a, a new project, which I don't think Nat or Eric or anyone's really seen before. This is a unique book, and um, this is a collaboration I did with a really talented artist called Marshall Weber from New York. And so Marshall and I um, collaborated. He took my photographs, and he um, went around to different memorials and started to do rubbings over my photographs. So he called it Prisoners of War. This is, this is the book that, that we worked on together, which has been sold to a collector. And we've since collaborated on three books using this technique with my photos and, and his, his rubbings. You see, if you look closely, you'll probably notice that most of them are Australian rubbings. I think he did a lot of them in Melbourne and, and other places while he was in Australia. Panoramas, I think, may have even been the second book that was acquired by the National Library. It was one of, one of my really early books. And um, it's a concertina. It's um, full-frame panoramic images, really just a kind of a collection of um, my favourite works at the time that, was, that I'd shot in panorama. It's um, pictures from all over the world um, set up against each other in, in a... Uh, sort of a very, I guess, personal, chaotic kind of way. I mean, there's no real kind of format to it, in, except that I, I, I wanted to lay it out in a, in a visual way that I, I thought would have an interesting impact and also story to tell. So, you know, you have Gaza on the left and you've got Kashmir on the right and occasionally a blank page and a photograph from the Kumela in India. This is Gaza. So it was a lot of fun just sort of putting all these images together 
Indonesia on the left, New Guinea on the right. Finding a balance and, um, to, to the photographs. And at the end of the book, there's all the, um, the small images with the captions of all the places. So I didn't want to have any text in the book at all. I wanted people just to look at it without knowing necessarily where they were looking at. And then, of course, you can find out at the back of the book. Um, and that's me actually making the book. So making, so they're in long sheets. You've got to cut them up and then fold them by hand and then glue the covers on. Um, so essentially the book is, I think there's only two joins in the entire book. This one's an ultra-rare book. I've only made three of them. Um, it's called Sing Sing. It's, a, again, very early book. Um, it's very... Um, sort of basic and, and raw and it's all made with uh, silver gelatin prints. It's a very small book. And these are actually just images from that book, not, not the actual book itself. I took these photographs at the same time I photographed the rascals in 2004 and I made the book around the same time. I made a, uh, well I didn't make it, but I <laughs> hired some, some locals to build me a studio. So at the Sing Sing in Mount Hagen, which is where all these photographs are taken, I uh, had a kind of a grass hut built as my outdoor studio. And I made these photographs over days while the festival was going on, the, the Mount Hagen show. I invited people to come and pose. And um, it was great because it had a back, it had two walls, well one back wall and one roof and then the sides were all open so the light could come in to give me that luminosity that I needed and again it's all, all taken on um, a wonderful film called Polaroid 665 uh, which doesn't exist anymore sadly it gives you a beautiful negative that you can print from and then uh, a Polaroid um, I gave Polaroids to all my subjects or as much as I could um, as a gift and I kept the negatives and kept some of the Polaroids as well I did the same with Ask Me Biggie they all got the Polaroids I don't own I don't have any of those Polaroids anymore the, the originals from that shoot I've just got the negatives Kumela so this is taken from uh, my actual diary again and you know, going back to this sort of idea where I start to experiment in my books and my diaries about what I might do in terms of an exhibition. Um, the White Sheet series, which is on show at the moment, has some of the works that you see in here. And in that exhibition I made silver gelatin prints and used these Indian fabric stamps actually on the prints themselves. But I started in the diary to experiment. Um, this is the result. So this is a, a print where I've now gone and stamped um, with ink around the... Yeah, so these are the prints. So this is what's on exhibition. But you can see where the ideas come from, from actually going into my, my diary and, and playing around and things like that.
experimenting. I love the challenge of using different mediums. I love print and this for me was wonderful because I could go and make silver gelatin prints and then I, can, I could then you know, add something and in this case, using these beautiful fabric stamps from India felt like it was the best thing to do because it really sort of, you know, I think added this kind of, well, one added a whole new kind of dimension in terms of um, the display and, and the look of it. But there's a whole texture in here too and, and just the balance between the clothing that people are wearing and um, the religious significance of, of Hinduism and... And, and so forth. So the colours are also chosen for that reason too. I chose this sort of burnt uh, orange and and then these you know kind of red ochre colours that represented uh, Hinduism and the white sheet, of course. So. And for me, the you know the imperfections of all of it is is you know so beautiful when I'm making these prints. It sort of matches the imperfections of the Polaroid and the emulsion spill and and so forth as well. And often because this film is so old, you, you see that a lot of the emulsion starting to deteriorate and things as well. And I I like the the balance of of that with. Um, you know, with the images themselves, with the with the prints. So that's it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, maybe I should, you know, maybe I should actually, maybe I should put something up. So we got the screen, I guess, to um, we don't just have to look at a computer screen. Um, I don't know if that's okay. Um, but lastly, so there's a couple of books here. I don't have a visual reference on my computer, but these are my most recent books. One is Drive by Hagen that Nat talked about, and we cut heads. So, um, but these are my most recent acquisitions here. The uh, Drive by Hagen, um, if you get a chance to see it sometime, or both of them, please, you know, try and have a look while you're at the library. And um, the, the interesting thing about Drive by Hagen is that I was doing this film with. Bob Connolly, the great filmmaker friend of mine, we were up there making a film about revisiting Black Harvest 25 years later. And so I was shooting the documentary with him, but we were spending so much time driving back and forwards from Killamer, where Joe Lay is, is the subject of these films, to Mount Hagen, that I decided to do this photo project on the side. And so it ended up being this result where it's all kind of shot from the perspective of the passenger. Um, and in fact, you see it's a mixture of candid court moments of people by surprise and then people who are reacting to either to me or more to Bob, actually, who they recognised from that time ago, which was quite interesting, this incredible excitement coming from people on the street and stuff like that. And then, yeah, We Cut Heads is a, a life of barbershops and looking at hair and so forth. So, yeah, I encourage you all to, at some point to look at these and, and also... 
my other books. Um, you know, I feel very fortunate, actually, I have to say, just to end this before we chat, that the library's been such an incredible supporter of mine. I mean, in fact, you, this library has, I think, most of my artist books and, um, and, and uh, edition books, and um, it, it's, it's, you know, I can't you know, think of a better place. So it's, it's wonderful that you know, they've been such a great supporter of mine. Yeah, so thank you. <laughs> right. Um, I might pose a couple. Are your ears hurting? <laughs> kind of Not weird. Yet. No, I'm okay. All right, I'm all right. Are you okay? I just have to cough, actually. <clears throat> have a water. Um, I might pose a couple of questions to. Um, to Stephen to kick this off and then we might open the floor to hear any queries you might have. Um, obviously Stephen's artist book pro project uh, program really is, is a core of his uh, business and that's why we're here because the books are in our collection. Um, I've, as I said earlier, been privileged to stand with Stephen, look at the books together but I've also had the privilege occasionally of calling them up and looking through them but I I have to say they're not books, some of them are not books that you want to look at more than once. once. <laughs> and that takes me to my first observation and question, which I guess is that 20 years ago I was at the Art Gallery of South Australia where I worked and I was in the bookshop and they were having a, a promotion thing in the bookshop and I, and I picked up this book by Gilles Perez uh, called... Telex Arai? No, the, the silence. Oh, the silence, the Bosnia one. Uh, the, the, no, Rwanda. Oh, Rwanda. And, hmm. Anyway, I, I didn't know this guy, the very stylishly produced little black and white book, and I thought, hmm. oh, this would be interesting, and I picked it up. And it was completely... Um, and it's the, the horrors of the Rwandan... Yes, yeah, the little one that just is just... Yeah. And they're all black edges. Genocide, sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Funereal-looking yeah, yeah. sort of well, funereal-looking images, but funereal Incredible. presentation. And it was sort of deeply shocking to me. And I, I bought the book. I found myself buying it with a number of other books during the sale they were having. And I realised not long ago, I saw it on my bookshelf, that I probably hadn't... I'd picked it up like once in 20 years mm. to look at it again because it's that sort of um, troubling, I guess, in a way. Um, and the, that, that book was in a way, I didn't know you then, I didn't know mm. your work then, but that work, that book in a way captures the same level in a way of, of um, disturbing imagery that we're capable of inflicting on one another as humans. And um, so, you know, in your books uh, we have images of murder, drowning, displacement, madness, homelessness, bodies ripped apart by bombs, mm. drug addiction, poverty and menace, and they're, they're quite hard to take. I'm not saying that's all books. They're not all like that. They're not all like that, but there are images like that. And, and you say, and you've said, and I, uh, humanity's responsibility is to not look away. Hmm. And your most recent incursion hmm. into the performance field yep. is, is called Don't, Don't, Boy. Don't Look Away. Um, and I agree with you about that, but I guess... My question to you, in a way, given that you've produced this extraordinary body of work, which is very affecting, um, not to say nightmarish in some respects, is how do you manage to document the undocumentable and stay sane, <laughs> as you have abundantly? Clearly? Yeah. 
Well, it is documentable. I mean, you know, obviously, mm. I mean, uh, I guess it's, for me, it's how do you capture humanity when there's no humanity left? Mm. I mean, that's certainly something that crosses my mind often. You go into a place like the tsunami to ground zero to Banda Aceh when everything's just wiped mm. out and you, you you do ask yourself, it's like, how am I going to uh, do this justice? How am I going to... Um, come out of this and, and produce a body of work that is um, powerful and, and has, you know, some great meaning and some great his, historical meaning as well. But how do I sort of get on, you know, how do I cope? I mean, that's, it's like the million dollar question I think mm. that's sort of often asked. I mean, I, I think I, I think I cope by um, sharing my pictures and and uh, and doing stuff, doing stuff like this, or, you know, like me. I'll just um, yeah. So you know, just uh, being able to talk about it to show the work. Um, I'm a realist when it comes to what I document, and and what I mean by that is that um, nothing is as bad as it is for the people that I'm photographing. Mm. Uh, so, you know, when you put things into perspective and you're, you know, you're photographing the suffering of others, I, you know, I don't feel that pain and I don't feel that um, trauma because they're the ones going through all the horror and the trauma, not me. Mm. I'm there to look at it and I'm there to photograph it and I think it's uh, something that I've conditioned myself to, to do to be able to, you know, go in and, and go out and, and feel relatively sane about it. Um, it doesn't mean I'm not disturbed by it or, you know, that I'm... Uh, but I, I've, I guess I've found my way of being able to manage that and, and, and get by um, through the horrors, you know. Uh, you, you say in your oral history here, that we hold here, um, or a version of your oral history that we have here, that... Um, you're drawn to the dark side of life mm. and that's something that's been with you for a long time mm. and that you just you describe yourself to some extent as being morbid and that's a conversation we started earlier today when we were recording video to go up on uh, our website. And um, um, I, I wonder if you could reflect on that. I mean, what, I, yes, I accept that that's the case. Mm. Um, but why... Um, Why do you think you're like I th that? well, I th I think it's come kind of uh, almost naturally. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't I don't think I really seeked out the dark side mm. from the beginning. I think it came to me. Um, I was um, sort of rewind to you know before I was really a photographer. I mm. was uh, um, I came across the work of Don McCullen, who was my original inspiration and mentor I suppose and and when I saw McCullen's work I something shifted in me and I, I wanted to to really make those kind of photographs or at least the, the photographs that had what I felt really captured humanity and inhumanity but really captured it in a raw and brutal honest way and so for me photography was an outlet that I could actually somehow go and capture something which had such an impact that it would move people, mm. you know, would, 
make people feel something. Um, and so with that in mind, I started to venture out into the world and, and, and make photographs and cover stories. Um, I was drawn to that kind of subject matter. And I think over time, it, it was just there. You know, That was the dark side and that was what I became interested in. And in fact, it sort of got to a point where I felt like at one point recently, I, I mean, in fact, my mother died um, not that long ago and she, you know, while I was looking down at her body, I started to think that, God, you know, I've been looking at the dead <laughs> all my life and here's my mum. And, and then I sort of thought, you know, well, maybe, you know, death's been following me and I sort of started to have this real kind of connection um, directly with death and realisation and and then in fact I decided that my new the project I'm doing now is actually on death so I'm mm. actually now seeking out death for my new work which is quite interesting whereas before it was just there I wasn't actually going out looking for it does that answer your question? probably not well, no, no it does, <laughs> it does and I think one of, the, uh, one of the things that I thought when you brought your books in from time to time and oh. showed them to Erica and, and myself is there's a blackness about them which is physical which is that the, they are so dark I mean physically mm. dark um, you've printed them so beautifully in these dark, dark colours it's sort of um, symbolic I guess of, of the subject matter you know, it's an incredible yeah. thing when you see these books and you handle them you realise, my God, how do you actually get something that that's just almost looks like lights being sucked into the page in front of you um, going back to Don McCullum mm. Eugene Smith Salgado, who you've cited as another experience, mm -hmm. Robert Frank, who we were talking about briefly today, and Joseph Kadelka, Cardia Bresson, all those yep. great photographers that you've cited as sort of um, inspiring you yeah. in your career as a photojournalist. Is there somebody that's inspired you particularly when it's come to the production of books, or is that more you? Yeah, that's a really good question that no one's ever asked me, but um, I think it's inherently me. I think, I think mm. it's, it's something that comes from within me because I design my own books. So even the books that are published have all come from my own designs. I, I can't think of a book that, hasn't been de that I haven't not designed, mm. um, which, is, which is wonderful. You know, publishers take the book and they, they use your design. And, and I think it's so... I feel that I am, as the author of the work... I'm also the best judge of how the work should be laid out and seen and designed and all that kind mm. of thing. And um, so that's been a really strong um, connection with the books and my photography. Um, I, mean, I mean, of course I'm inspired by other photographers within my photography. There's no question about that. And you mentioned some of them. And I mean, Kudelka especially mm. has been a... I was just... I posted something recently on Instagram that I... Uh, Gypsies, which is this great book by Kudelka, which I think is, you know, best, greatest photography book ever. You know, in my opinion, ever, ever shot, never made, ever designed. It's an incredible book. Um, but in terms of inspiration for my books, I think that comes from artists and writers. And, um, you know, I've always been drawn to to great art, you know, I love Otto Dix, mm -hmm. I love Francis Bacon, uh, Picasso, and, and, and there, are, there are some pretty dark artists out there that I've, I've been really kind of interested in and 
over the years and then seeing their artist books and and they're just, you know the way they put their work together you know in artists because mm. traditionally artist books have come from artists not from photographers mm. so they've been a big influence um, I think there's a lot of things I think music influences me when I make my books I'm listening to Led Zeppelin or I'm listening to Floyd or you know I, I, I'm using yeah. a lot of things my daughter is a huge inspiration you know so you know bringing all these elements in are the results of the books and I don't know what they're going to look like until I I kind of start to to kind of play with them and, and you know and we have a great small book in our collection which is called Waiting for Gerhard yeah yeah and it shows us, it says a lot yeah. about Stephen it's only a very small book and it's basically Stephen well you tell the story about what it is yeah yeah I forgot you had that book yeah mm. Yeah, that's a rare one. Um, I, when I was printing my Steidl book of Generation AK, the Afghanistan work, um, I, um, well, I've made three trips to Steidlville in Germany where he's based in um, Göttingen. And on the, on the third trip, we were printing the book. So I went there to meet him for the first time. It was just a meeting. It took a week to meet him, but I met him. And then the second trip, we um, did proofs of the book after he decided he wanted to do my book. The third trip, we printed the book. So it's quite a long production for that book to come out. Um, and while I was printing the book, I had a lot of downtime in his library. He's got a fabulous library, as you can imagine, your Steidl Library. Um, and the book takes many, many days of printing. So I've got to oversee every single page. So I'm up and down the stairs to the printing um, press to, to, to tick off all the proofs of the pages and um, make sure they look good and um, discuss with Steidl and all that kind of stuff. So I'm up in his library and I'm, they're chucking out so much. There's so much wastage in book printing, sadly. And they're all these pages from my book are just going in the bin and I'm, so I'm pulling them out of the bin and taking them upstairs and I decided that I would... I would reconstruct the whole book into another book. So I ripped out all the pages from these pages and I sort of glued them into a, a little moleskin um, concertina mm. that I picked up in Berlin and, uh, and, and, and created this collage book with all the ripped pages, um, which then I decided to call Waiting for Gerhardt because I made it while I was waiting for him. <laughs> Um, it took days and days to make, and uh, and on the book, I, the back of the book, I wrote a kind of a, a statement about waiting for Gerhardt um, and and having this you know book done. Yeah. Never one to let the grass grass grow under your. Feet. I'm not going to waste my used... time sitting in his library. Just you know, I'm not, I've been sitting in his library for like two trips before that as well. I love his library, but I thought I've got to do something kind of creative here and I thought oh, I'm going to make a book and I don't know I don't think any other photographer or any other artist has made a book in, inside his library no, and there's, there's stuff everywhere not. he came up he was shocked there was ripped pages the whole floor was covered in mess <laughs> glue I mean he was like what are you doing I'm like oh man I'm making a book you know, this, this is this is you know this is Steidl I've got to make a book that's right 